Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Ballads and Brews. That's right. Tonight is our final episode for the season. It is hard to believe it's been a busy uh, last couple months for sure, but we have now come to our summer break. Um, But before we get out of here, we are going to go out with a bang. Uh, We have actually cleared our whole show tonight uh, for a very special conversation that we are having with Topeka's very own Mayor Mike Padilla. Mike, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. You bet, Angel. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's always a good time when we get the chat. Well, and, you know, you're as we were just talking about, you're just a just a couple months out, just about five months into your, your term as mayor. Uh, how's it going? Is it is it what you expected? Is it what you thought it would be? Well, you know, I had a pretty good idea of what it might be like because serving as deputy mayor for uh, nearly uh, only six, seven months before uh, taking the office of mayor. But I have to tell you, it's accelerated and (laughs) it's a very busy, busy job. Absolutely. We were just talking before going on air about how busy things are getting as as more activities are resuming in person. So I assume that probably has also uh, accelerated things as well for you. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, uh, I am so pleased that uh, I'm able to communicate with so many people in the community. Uh, They really like having the access to the mayor. It's just something that is very different from uh, state government, federal government. You know, you live in the same town. You go to the same grocery store, eat the same restaurants. And I bump into people every day. Oh, that's awesome. Would you say that been you think your favorite part of the job so far? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, for as many people as I knew in Topeka already, I have really expanded that <laughs> that circle even more so of uh, people in Topeka. And, you know, it, it really is fun to see all these uh, different kinds of activities and interests going on and how they all kind of – while they – separate in a way they all meld together to bring us to Topeka and it's fun absolutely oh that's so cool well we have to ask about your wife Roddy by the way how is she doing how is she enjoying her role as first lady of Topeka she she shies away from that and gets embarrassed but you know a lot of people know my wife well before I became on council because she's a very involved person herself so but she is enjoying it she goes to a lot of the functions when she can and and uh, she just likes seeing everybody having a good time. Absolutely. Well, that that's so cool that you guys you guys make a good team together. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, just to give people a, a sense, you know, for folks out there that might be wondering, yeah, as best you can, uh, to the extent that there is any typical uh, week, what what is a typical week like for the mayor of Topeka? 
Well, it's a, it's a mix. You know, there I have some standing meetings that I uh, keep on a weekly basis with the city manager, city attorney, uh, finance director, and some of the other department heads. It's it's a regular check-in. I want to make sure that I know what's going on as much as I can. I don't like uh, unexpected surprises. Um, so that part is kind of stable, but then everything else is is a flood of requests to meet with me in the office. Sure. And my uh, executive assistant, Jane Murray, does a fantastic job of putting me in the right place at the right time, <laughs> reminding me where I left my phone or everything else. <laughs> and, and, you know, it started out with, I, I had this idea, uh, and I talked about it on my campaign about, well, you know, I hope that to be able to establish a couple days into the office uh, during the week at least. Well, that's, I do something every, almost every day of the <laughs> week now. And, and it's enjoyable because while I'm in there meeting with different people, uh, staff, others would just pop their head in, say, hi, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, want to sit down and visit for 10, 15 minutes. And, and that exchange really keeps the flow of the mayor's office active. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Well, and, you know, this, of course, has been a, a busy uh, five months. We just uh, talked about there's been been no shortage of of uh, big ticket items and, and things to take on. So we're going to jump into to a couple of those. Uh, yeah, we know, of course, first up, uh, we are in the midst, uh, as you know, of looking for a new city manager uh, for the city of Topeka. So yeah, as we go through that process, what, what, what are you hoping that we can find in a city manager? And, and what kind of role do you think the public should play uh, in that search? Well, you know, the city manager, uh, I like to think of that person being really the administrator of all uh, services that the city provides to the community. Uh, he oversees all the departments uh, and or she, and they really have to have a good organizational skills that helps them put the right people in the right place. Uh, sometimes that's uh, a harder thing to do than people would imagine. Sure. Uh, and so you really have to have somebody who is a good judge of, of professionalism in others, uh, their capabilities in others, uh, and their willingness to work as a unified team with the city manager. It's important for that city manager to understand, in my opinion, uh, how he can rely upon those that he supervises in a, in a way that uh, makes him feel comfortable or makes her feel comfortable in uh, delegating responsibilities and duties. Sure. Uh, certainly they have to have an excellent understanding of finances and government. Um, it, it, that's a real different kind of a beast. <laughs> uh, and being able to uh, walk your way through all of those different kinds of funding sources Sources and uh, regulations is um, is a tough job, and somebody who can do that and find that right person to assist them. Um, I want to look for somebody I know will have the the real feel for Topeka. They know what's going on. They're not uh, in, in, a, in a place where they hear just one side of the community, but somebody who hears all of the community and uses that knowledge overall to 
make our efficiencies uh, even better. Sure. And to and, and to let the community know that when they do speak, there is somebody listening, and Absolutely. that's important. That's important. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there is a process right now, of course, we'll remind folks here at the end uh, where the public can go in online right now and kind of comment on, on uh, what kind of, of qualities they hope uh, to find in a city manager. Uh, you know, what do you what do you think that public input process is going to look like uh, as we go throughout the, the hiring process? Well, you know, they put out a uh, public survey allowing people to give their input on what they think the characteristics should be or skill sets should be. And they've been very wide and varied, believe me. And that's, <laughs> and that's why I say it's important for the community to understand what the role of that uh, city manager is. Sure. And I think that the overall uh, I think uh, theme that I'm getting is that they want somebody who uh, can understand their condition in this community. Uh, and when they're making decisions on how to delegate uh, resources and funding, that it's a balanced approach mm. and that everybody gets to share in the successes that Topeka has enjoyed. Because I do really believe that Topeka has moved leaps and bounds in the last 10, 15 years from what I can see as a lifelong resident of Topeka. So I think that's generally what the community wants. They just want to make sure that they get to participate in all the ups that Topeka is experiencing right now. Sure. Absolutely. Well, you know, shifting gears a little bit to the, the council has also considered uh, a couple of different issues related to the Nodal Arts District. Uh, that's, you know, really looking at their, you know, they're really expanding and, and, and growing. And that, so I think that's kind of a, an outgrowth of some of that. And, you know, the first thing uh, that council did here not too long ago was uh, voted to establish this business improvement district um, in Dodo. Can you talk um, a little bit about kind of what that is and what that will enable businesses there to do? Well, uh, and I want to make this clear because some people uh, maybe did catch this, that uh, that's a voluntary uh, buy-in to that BID. Yeah. That, uh, uh, so if you want to do it, you can. If you don't, that's your choice. Nobody's forcing anyone to do it. Yeah. But the, overall, the majority of the business owners there feel that by uh, bonding together, uh, having the BID in place, it allows them to, as a organization, to even enhance more uh, those things that, that will help keep Noto uh, clean, desirable, and uh, attractive to not just the, the community, but to the visitors to the city of Topeka. So I think that gives them uh, uh, an opportunity to, in a way, self uh, administer uh, funds that, and not have to look toward uh, relying on the city as in a whole to take care of everything. So I think it gives them a little degree of independence in a sense. And uh, if they want to shine things up even more so, because that's a great place to go to. Um, I, th I think they, that's the whole purpose and intent. And I think the majority of the, the um, shop owners up there um, are convinced that was a good thing for them. Sure. Well, and, you know, we should have for folks, too, I think we mentioned before, you know, this is similar to downtown has a business improvement uh, district as well that enables them to make some of those uh, those updates and enhancements as well. Yes. Yeah. 
Very good. Uh, well, you know, there's also been uh, a lot of talk, speaking of uh, Noto, uh, about this uh, recent ordinance that was passed uh, regarding bikes and other wheel devices. Uh, you know, it's funny, those things that, that you never would have thought about uh, that come up. Um, and so this was an ordinance that was um, that was passed to restrict the use of some of those uh, devices in uh, the Arts District. There's been lots of discussion, of course, about it. Uh, can you clarify for folks, you know, what does this ordinance do and and uh, what was the purpose behind it? You know, why was it why was it something that people were looking for? Well, you know, we heard a lot of uh, testimony and there was, uh, well, you visited Noto, <laughs> you know, you know, it's an older part of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sidewalks are not as uh, wide as they are in other parts of the city. Uh, and, you know, especially on a uh, on a Friday night art walk, it gets pretty busy down there yeah. and those side sidewalks are crowded. And for safety, more than anything, it's important to know that pedestrians can walk up and down the streets and enjoy that area without having to worry about uh, bumping into a, a bicycle that might hurt hurt someone. And, and really, uh, it, it's important for us to do what we can to keep that area safe. I know some folks are concerned that that might restrict uh, uh, other uh, wheel devices like maybe a um, uh, assistance device but that's not true those will still be uh, able to operate in the district so the real thing that we're trying to focus on is the safety uh, and and obeying the traffic laws uh, that uh, bikes are subject to just as well but uh, you know I think some people might have gotten the wrong idea that somehow we were making it more unsafe by putting bicycles on the street but mm-hmm. that's really where bicycles are intended to be used sure are on the street and it's up to the bicyclists and the motorists up there uh, knowing that that's a, um, a kind of a compressed area to keep their eye out for both pedestrian and uh, and wheel device uh, traffic to make sure everybody's safe. So I think it's a, it was a good move. I think it will enhance the experience that we have down there. Um, you know, some other communities, they block off the streets and so forth. But uh, doing that, too, then uh, brings the question of parking into issue. If sure. you do that, then where does everybody park? And because of the numbers, thankfully, that we're having out there, uh, every inch of parking <laughs> is being used. So I, I think the uh, ordinance is a good thing to help keep uh, everybody safe and enjoy the area. Sure, absolutely. And well, as you mentioned, you know, lots of lots of things to, you know, some competing interests there to, to keep in mind too. You know, how do we allow people to still continue to have access to that area, but also do so in a, in a safe way as well? Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, we're into into budget season now, which is, of course, everyone's favorite time of year. Um, and uh, <laughs> the, the, the council had, had quite an extensive discussion uh, about the mill levy uh, recently. And, and, you know, rather the city should be exploring lowering the mill levy as, as a part of their budgeting process. Um, I'm willing to bet that there are maybe more than a few folks out there who don't exactly know what the mill levy is. Uh, could you explain <laughs> maybe in, in layman's terms, you know, what is the mill levy and and how does that impact the budget? Yeah, what's the big deal about it? Yeah, you know, uh, I agree with you, uh, Angel. Uh, you no, know, the mill levy is talked about a lot. But, uh, <laughs> how much detail people have about the mill levy uh, uh, varies. 
Sure. And, and and that's because, in a sense, it is a little bit confusing. Uh, I think that some uh, uh, members of the community think that, that Topeka is the sole taxing authority in Shawnee mm. County, and that's not true. Right. Uh, uh, I think we have, uh, I'm trying to think, I think eight different taxing entities yeah. uh, in, in Shawnee County. And so it's, it's the city levy is part of a total property tax bill. So uh, uh, the other levies, uh, other government entities are like Shawnee County, uh, Washburn University, um, the local transit authority, mm-hmm. yeah. the, li- the li- library, airport, uh, so uh, school district as well. And so all of them combined brings that tax levy to the public. And, and so when it gets to us, and I say us because I pay it just like everybody else does, <laughs> uh, you wonder, how did it get that way? Uh, but that mill levy is uh, important to our overall city budget. And what we do with that, those tax dollars, those property tax dollars, is important because it's well, that's distributed in ways to help provide the uh, basic uh, uh, needs and uh uh, resources and services that government is in place for. Um, there's a big chunk of that that is used uh, for personnel, primarily uh, police and fire. Sure. And uh, there are other resources as well, but uh, we have to stay competitive. We have to be able to uh, attract and retain qualified people. Um, and so that helps us doing that. Um, if we reduce property taxes, there's always that concern that people might even lose their jobs because we don't have enough money to pay for staffing and so forth. But that's that's just not the total picture. Um, mm-hmm. th- we have to uh, be really focused on um, keeping that mill levy intact as much as we can as it is right now. I know the conversation has talked about about maybe reducing it by one, uh, and I think there is uh, actually open minds on the on the council to continue that discussion, which I think is important because um, the council represents uh, the city as a whole. And so for those people who really uh, have a an informed, strong opinion about whether or not we should do that should be utilizing that um, council member to bring their concerns to the governing body. Uh, Too often, um, I think people get the idea that uh, those decisions are made just on a personal desire of each council member, and that's really not the the fact at all. Um, They really do uh, try to listen to those constituents who uh, approach them in a manner that uh, helps them understand why uh, they feel that changes should be made um, in any case, including the mill yeah. mill levy. So I, I think it's it's important for us to get the community's input and participation by, and I keep I say this over and over since I've been on the council. Somebody Utilize that council member. Before. That's what they're in place for. That's what they're elected for, and uh, they need to hear. Uh, directly from the community, um, how they feel about issues. And this is an important one. I think it's a good faith discussion. How it turns out 
Um, I can't predict. Sure. Uh, but, uh, of course, if we can keep it at the same level and not lose um, uh, services for the city, then I'm all for that. But we all know that it uh, costs more for gas and costs more for food and costs more yeah. uh, for everything. And the city experiences those same increases as well when we're trying to buy materials to fix the roads, uh, trying to buy materials to replace water lines, trying to do all those things that we need to do. Uh, we get impacted by that just as as much as any single household. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that that is a, a great point is that, you know, the city, while, while all of us are looking at, you know, how we uh, budget our, ourselves to deal with those increases, uh, the city city governments are doing the, the same thing. Uh, and, you know, I think the other uh, interesting point you made there, too, is just how many different taxing authorities there are in Shawnee County. And so when folks are, are looking at their uh, their property taxes and, and wondering, you know, when they see a big increase, you know, knowing that the city's uh, bill levy is, is just one part of that equation, but there are those so those seven other entities, you know, between the Metro and the library and Washburn University and, and all those other places that are, are impacting that mill levy too. So it's really a more kind of complex uh, situation that I think people sometimes initially think of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, there's no way to make it really simple. You know, yeah. you can do a, you can do a, what do they call it, an elevator speech real quickly to try and give you an idea of it. But to really get down to it, it you really have to have uh, a true understanding of, of how everything is uh, brought into the mix and how it ends up finally calculated for the citizens of Shawnee County. Absolutely. We will not bore all of you out there listening with uh, a mill being one one thousandth of a, we're not going to do that here, but there is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, uh, there is a really good article that we'll point you all to uh, for the Capitol Journal that really kind of, kind of break down all the mechanics of this. And we'll make sure to link that on our social media app as well, where you can learn more than you ever thought you'd want to know um, about the mill levy. It is, it is kind of cool that people, uh, my nerdy little heart says this, it is kind of cool that people are at least digging into that and wanting to know more, wanting to understand a little bit more. Well, oh, yeah, I think so. And I, I appreciate you putting that link in there. That's a good idea. Well, absolutely. Well, and you know, of course, one of the things that we, we all know people have thoughts and opinions on in uh, Topeka are the conditions of our roads. And of course, there's lots of discussion happening in the capital improvement plan and lots of other places about uh, road progress, road improvements, that sort of thing. Uh, what, what should people know about uh, the progress that we're making uh, when it comes to uh, street repairs in the city? Well, you know, I, I know it's tough because no matter where you live, you're going to have some place that uh, you're going to have to drive over that's not going to be a good, uh, uh, the best condition. <laughs> I experienced that same thing myself. Um, you know, uh, since being on the council, I've seen really a concerted effort to be more uh intentional about how we make our repairs oftentimes we start off with a plan and want to stick to that plan as much as we can and you ha you have to start at least in that manner but you know it also comes down to um sometimes you have to be flexible in your plan as well yeah. you have to adjust and adapt and i even though i, I read some of the reports that we got about which section of road should be done because of its PCI uh, evaluation and so forth. That's, that's one measure. The other measure is how many people I get sending me <laughs> messages of every time I drive over this road, you know, uh, I have to dodge uh, the potholes. And 
I think sometimes we just have to make sure that we don't get so stuck to a plan that we don't see what's right in front of us. Mm. I, I do think that uh, there have been some switches and changes in the CIP on some of the road uh, um, uh, improvements. Uh, I know I even spoke to one that had started off, uh, but I was glad to see was in uh, 23, but then moved uh, a couple of years out further. And I, uh, made my opinion known and uh, fortunately we were able to look at some things differently and and they've changed it and brought it back to an earlier uh, uh, fix but I I get those all the time <laughs> and I follow them and uh, uh, some of them get kind of uh, humorous. I saw them the other day, and the and the and the person writing in introduced themselves by saying, "Hello, uh, my name is Pot Hole, and I would like to visit with you about my condition." It goes on. Oh, it's kind of a light a lighthearted complaint, and and the response came back lighthearted as well. It was like, "Well, thank you, but you but you don't have to introduce yourself, Mister Hole, Mister Hole. We know where you live." And we have uh, issued a, a, a work ticket to get that addressed. And then I get the follow-up that has been taken care of. So, you know, whatever help we can get from the community to point out those really uh, – and those potholes are dangerous. You know, they, they can cause, cause damage. They cause people sometimes to swerve in the lanes of traffic. And certainly we don't want someone to have an accident because of it. Absolutely. But I do think that uh, – from the time on the regular basis about our progress. I think that's different from when we used to just say, okay, we've got X amount of roads to repair. We'll talk to you in a couple of months to see how it's going. Yeah, it's more often it's more often than that now. It's it's a pretty regular basis that we're getting updates to see how well we're doing. Oh, that's great! That's awesome. Well, and I did see you know in the in the in some of the recent discussion at the CIP, uh, you know the South Topeka Boulevard. So part of your former uh, council district, you know that bring back the Boulevard uh, uh, movement that's been happening there. They've been doing lots of of good work. It even looks like there's some improvements coming to that stretch of Topeka Boulevard that that are in the in that plan oh yeah yeah and it you know there's a lot going on out there i'm really pleased to see that the merchants are getting uh involved with that whole uh desire to revitalize that part of town that you know for a lot of us you know, lifers uh <laughs> have, a, have a lot of memories you yeah know? And uh, it is, I think, also a place that generates uh, business and community activity to the east of it as well, east and west, both sides uh, with the residential area. So it's important for us to maintain that corridor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, one thing that I want to ask you about, too, you know, I think, of course, uh, both uh, the city of Topeka and the city of Lawrence had a chance to get together here recently to travel down to Arkansas uh, as part of the inner city visit that was sponsored by the Greater Topeka uh, Partnership. I assume you had a chance to, to join on that visit. Oh, yes. Yes, I enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. If you want, you want to share a little bit, you know, what were some of your, your kind of takeaways from uh, from that trip? 
Well, I know what I intended to do when I got, got a chance to go. And I was going to seek out as many of the Lawrence delegation as I could mm. because, you know, uh, um, I'm familiar with many of the Topeka people who went, not all of them, but many. But I wanted to visit with Lawrence because that was the whole purpose for us to yeah. exchange ideas. And I actually spent uh, some time visiting with the mayor at two or three times. Uh, yeah. Found her very uh, congenial, very interesting. Uh, we sat together on one of the buses <laughs> and talked a little bit about uh, uh, shared concerns like sure. uh, with, the, with the homeless and how they're addressing that and other issues. And uh, that was really uh, enjoyable. And when overall with the trip to Fayetteville and Bentonville, uh, the thing that we heard there is that uh, they're taking care of themselves. Uh, I asked a question during that time, during a forum, about how they collaborate and coordinate with their state legislature. Oh, sure. And, and pretty much they said, we take care of ourselves. The, the local, gov <laughs> local government has decided that they are going to be regional in their thinking, that what's good for Fayetteville or for Rogers or for Bentonville is good for all of them. They're less competitive uh, than they used to be. If one, if one city gets a bump and uh, gets a new industry, they celebrate it by the region because it all kind of melds together over there. Sure. Uh, they don't even have signs that show you uh, that you're leaving Rogers and coming into Fayetteville or whatever. Huh. This is all kind of um, merged together. And so the overall theme that we got was collaboration at every level and, and include that if you've got a city nearby, like Lawrence, that to be able to uh, work together to bring prosperity to the region is prosperity to one single city. So that was the overall thing that I walked away from. Very cool. And yeah, on follow-up on that, I've already been arranging a meeting with the mayor of Lawrence, uh, Mayor Shively, and, and we're uh, having some of her, her staff involved and some of my staff involved to discuss some of the issues that we share. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see what some of the, the outcomes will be of that. I think there's all kinds of, of exciting opportunities ahead. Yes. Very cool. Well, of course, before we, we wrap up, since this is Ballads and Brews, uh, we do have one last question. So if you could make a cocktail that represented Topeka, what would it have in it and what would you call it? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a real... Interesting question. I know I know what I kind of go to when I'm sitting and relaxing, and we did that in Vailville, like the other mayor. I, I know what I always go to. It's a pretty calm, easy drink, a little of Kahlua on ice or Ka Kahlua and cream, either yeah. one. But, you know, it's just a sipping, nice, nice uh, drink. And, you know, I'm not a coffee drinker, but that's close <laughs> to coffee. Yeah. And, it, and, and in fact, we... Uh, visit a distillery there and they made their own uh, Kahlua oh my gosh. Or, or coffee liqueur yeah. and it was a, it was amazing huh. but uh, you know when you when you ask that question 
you know what I thought? This is the perfect thing for Angel to do. <laughs> Angel needs Angel needs to start uh, kind of like um, a contest, like we oh. have other contests here in Topeka, yeah. and and get the uh, drinking establishments involved, organize them, say, okay, we want to have a signature Topeka cocktail. Oh yeah, and and, and have a competition, and then of course. <laughs> I'll be able to a uh, cocktail for the city of Topeka that we can come up with a unique name, maybe feature it in some of our restaurants. Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. I, I think that's the kind of thing that you're real good at, Angel. So, oh my gosh, uh, that would be fun. Yeah. Stop and think about it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you can combine all all my loves and public input, voting, uh, cocktails. That's that's check, check all my boxes. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, stay tuned out there, folks. That that might be an opportunity coming coming your way. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks for for hanging out with us. And uh, of course, we know that there's something but uh, more exciting things to come. So we'll look forward to to getting together and chat some more at uh, sometime soon. Well, thank you, Angel, for the invitation. Uh, I hope you have a great summer. I hope the city of Topeka residents have a great summer. There's a lot going on. Pay attention to the uh, social media and the news because uh, there are so many activities going on. You have to keep up with the pace for <laughs> those people who say there isn't much to do. They're not paying attention because there's plenty to do in Topeka. Absolutely. We could have couldn't have said any better ourselves. Uh, well, for, for folks out there listening we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back just to close things out with our final take action moment of the season including a look ahead to some of those things that you can check out over the summer uh, so remember you're listening to Ballads and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio Seven Eight Five Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now, and we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at seven eight five live dot com. And thanks for tuning in. All right, folks, we are going to close things out tonight with one final take action moment for the season. Um, as we do so, we are taking a look ahead over the summer months to see uh, some of those things that you could do over the summer to stay connected with your local and state government. Uh, so first things first, uh, remember that the city of Topeka is still actively engaged in the process of finding a new city manager. Uh, the city just recently concluded the public survey process by which they were collecting information on what qualities the city would like to see in a city manager. So now they get to put that input to use. Um, your part isn't over yet, though. Uh, we do highly encourage you to stay engaged throughout the summer and be vigilant for more opportunities for the public to comment on the process. When we learn those opportunities, of course, we will post them to our social media pages to keep you up to date. At some point, the council should be bringing candidates in for interviews, and it's likely that as part of that process, they will have some kind of public information session where members of the public will get the chance to meet the candidates and even provide additional feedback throughout the process. Uh, we 
we, if that happens, we encourage you to jump all over that opportunity when you get the chance. And if you have questions about where the city is at in their process, we encourage you to reach out to your city council member. And of course, you can find all of their contact info online at Topeka.org slash city council. Um, another thing to watch over the summer is going to be redistricting at the city level. So, of course, you know, we had redistricting happen for congressional seats. We had state legislature, but now it's time to do it locally. Um, over the summer, the city's redistricting committee, which is made up of representatives from uh, a representative from each district, uh, each city council district, that commission is going to be meeting to redraw Topeka city council districts uh, based on the last census data. Uh, the city has seen some population uh, shifts in the latest census, uh, particularly particularly as it pertains to people leaving parts of kind of the central core of the city and shifting more to the edges of town to the suburbs. Um, this will certainly have an impact on how council districts are drawn and, in turn, how people have access to political power in our city. Um, there will likely be public opportunities to provide input or at least see um, the proposed redistricting, redistricting maps um, as the process moves along. So we encourage you uh, to stay tuned and stay vigilant for that as well. And, of course, over the summer, we have everyone's favorite time of year, which is budget season. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the mill levy and this whole game of will they or won't they uh, when it comes to raising the mill levy. Uh, but, of course, that's just one piece of the overall budget puzzle. Uh, city staff have already begun uh, working hard with community members on what next year's budget will look like. Uh, we talked a little bit about that process earlier, this kind of new process um, that the city has taken when it comes to involving citizens with the budget. Uh, so they've already kind of start that work, um, but there will likely be many, many more opportunities for public to provide input and comments. Um, the city has in the past held kind of budget workshops that are open to the public uh, for members of the public to sit in on. Um, so that budgeting process will start here pretty soon in June, uh, where it'll really get fast, uh, fast moving. So stay tuned and look out for that. Um, you can keep up to date, by the way, with the proposed budget once it's available. Uh, they put it online at Topeka.org slash finance slash budget. So that's Topeka.org slash finance slash budget. They usually do a good job of posting the proposed budget on there uh, with all the other necessary kind of paperwork to understanding it as well. So be sure to watch for that. Um, and of course, uh, certainly last but not least, uh, this summer is the lead up to the primary election that happens on Tuesday, August 2nd. Um, on that ballot, that's going to be a pretty packed ballot, y'all. Those are primary elections for our legislative offices as well as our state offices. So governor, attorney general, secretary of state, state treasurer, insurance commissioner. Um, we've got some federal offices. We've got house seats. Um, we've got our congressional uh, delegation that's going to be on that ballot. Of well as well. Um, and then of course we have a constitutional amendment regarding abortion that's going to be on that ballot too. So it is, in the words of former Vice President, now President Biden, a big effing deal um, on August 2nd. Um, and here's the deal, y'all. Primary elections typically have pretty abysmal voter turnout. Uh, typically it's the party faithful that comes out to vote in these elections, which explains why voter turnout for primaries hovers in 20 or 30, that 20 or 30 percent range. Um, and if we're really honest, there are probably some folks out there who would like to keep it that way uh, because when you have lower voter turnout, meaning you only have more party faithful voting, means that votes tend to only go one way. Um, so what I, what I encourage you to do is to foil some people's plans and actually show up in August to vote. 
Um, you know, for some offices in a state, the primary really is the election that matters because the general election can be a foregone conclusion, um, especially in areas that are heavily uh, red parts of the state where really the, the election is really down to the primary uh, to decide which Republican is going to run. Um, and then once it gets to a general election, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Um, and of course, when it comes to issues like abortion um, or any number of other issues that have been talked about, it has highlighted more than ever the importance of local government. There is a trend uh, we are seeing to try and leave issues up to state governments to decide, which means your local legislators, those people that are holding power in your state, have become absolutely critical uh, when it comes to deciding some of these big issues. And so these local elections where you can have a say in who your state representative are, who your governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, all those folks are, those elections matter more than ever before. Uh, So with all that said, here are some important things to know about the upcoming primary this summer. Uh, First, July 12th, that is the deadline to register to vote in the primary election, July 12th. If you haven't registered yet, you can register at ksvotes.org. That's also the website you can go to to update your registration. For instance, if you've moved uh, since you've registered, Um, you can also request an advanced ballot uh, via that website to ksvotes.org. It's a fantastic resource. I'll say it one more time, ksvotes.org. Speaking of advanced voting, July 13th, that very next day after uh, the deadline to register to vote, is when advanced voting by mail starts. So that's when those ballots will start getting mailed out to folks um, so you can complete those and return them to the election office. And on July 18th is when early voting in person starts at the election office. Remember, we've got the in-person advanced voting now. That will start on July 18th. Um, They'll have that available. That advanced voting in person will be available um, every day from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m at the Shawnee County Election Office downtown. Uh, that in-person advanced voting will go from July 18th until noon on July 29th. Um, so that is the cutoff to vote in advance in person at the Shawnee County Election Office, Friday, July 29th by noon. Um, here's the, the extra rub that makes primary elections, I think, a little bit more difficult, a little bit more challenging for people to participate in. Um, in order to vote fully on the whole ballot, you do need to be affiliated as a Republican or a Democrat. So I know there's some of you cool kids out there that are like, nah, man, party politics isn't for me. I'm unaffiliated. I'm independent, which is awesome. Cool. Go you. But here's the thing. If you are not affiliated with a particular party, you can take off your cool kid hat for just a couple minutes. um, And you're actually allowed to declare your party affiliation at the time you receive a ballot. Um, So. If the Republican uh, primary is one that really interests you, you have that ability to declare your party affiliation at the at the election off or at the the the. Po- my goodness, you guys, I can't talk today at the polling place. Uh, so you can actually receive a ballot to be able to, to vote on there. If you are not affiliated and you want to stay that way, you still will receive a ballot. But the only thing you'll be able to vote on are the nonpartisan parts of the ballot. So essentially the constitutional amendment that's on the ballot, you'll have the chance to um, vote in. Um, but if you want access to that full ballot, you do have to declare uh, rather it's that day or in advance. You do have to declare a political party preference. Um, so that's important uh, thing to remember for uh, for an election day. And look, if you really want to be a cool kid, if you affiliate on that day as a party, then 21 days later, you can change yourself back to unaffiliated. Uh, so once you change, uh, you do stay that way for just a little bit. But then after 21 days, you can be a cool kid again and switch your party affiliation back to independent or unaffiliated. 
Um, we also know that sometimes ballots can be a little confusing. Um, thankfully, you have the chance uh, to actually see a sample of what your ballot will look like ahead of time. Um, if you head to the Kansas Voter View website, which is just myvoteinfo.voteks.org, Again, myvoteinfo.voteks.org. That's the Kansas Voter Review website. You can look yourself up on there and you'll see a sample ballot. Um, so you can actually see what your ballot will look like on election day. Um, and also another really slick and really important feature of this website. Um, if you have submitted an advanced ballot by mail, that's actually the website you can go to and see the status of your mail ballot. So you'll be able to see um, if your ballot has been sent. You'll be able to see after you send it if your ballot's been received. So it's a really transparent really handy way uh, to be able to track your mail ballot on there. And there you have it, folks. That is our final take action moment of the night for this season. Um, all those links we just talked about, we'll be posting a lot of those links on our social media pages as well. So on, on uh, Facebook, we're just Ballots and Brews. On Twitter, it's at Ballots Brews. So uh, just another plug to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with all the latest, greatest information. And of course, now that our show is done for the season, now is a perfect time to go on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast apps and go back and listen to past episodes get all caught up on the craziness in state and local government from this last year. Now, our show may be done for the summer, but we're still going to be working away on some different voter engagement efforts. Um, so we might see you all out and about. We encourage you, again, following us on social media. You'll be able to keep up to date with all of our latest uh, events and resources and shenanigans and all those good things. Um, but until then, friends, uh, please, please, please uh, stay safe. Drink lots of good beer. Enjoy your summer. Make sure to get out and vote in the primary election on August 2nd. That's the first of many times you're going to hear that from us. Um, and until then, we will catch you next time here on Ballots of Brews on KSEF 75 Live Radio. Wow.